calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Hello, Mackinac. You're tuned in to the Nexus Enterprise, the leader in adventure entertainment. And it's time for more of everyone's favorite action-packed coverage of the League of Ultimate Questing. Heroes from all over the five kingdoms fight for their lives in the most daring and dangerous of expeditions, all brought to the comfort of your home via scrying magic. My name is Kip Kelligan, voice of the LUQ and servant of the Nexus Enterprise. And with me in the booth is the retired League champion, the one and only Stormclad Thundertongue. And may I just say, Storm, you look very snazzy today. Well, thanks, Kip. Got me a haircut, hem my sleeves back onto my suit, and even polished my tusks. And is that a hint of Alcarin perfume I detect? It's cologne, Kip, and yeah, I got me a date after the show tonight. Met a real hot mama at a live music festival over the weekend, and I snagged reservations at some fancy Dan Marion gastromancer. Oh, congratulations. Please give me all the juicy details. Aw, Kip, she's one of a kind. Good fashion sense, that is to say, badass spiked armor. She's hilarious, worldly, skin the color of sunlit sangria, 18 feet tall, great dancer. Did... did you say 18 feet tall? Damn right. She's a fire giant. Saw her over the crowd and just had to say aye. And I climbed her like a rock face and we got to chatting. Ah, we must have talked past midnight. I got a weakness for redheads. And by red hair, you mean her head is literally on fire. Like I said, Kip, one hot mama. Love a woman who can chuck me like a shot put. Well, you'll have to give me more details soon. But for now, it's time to check in on the hero rank team, the Mortal Dawn, as they face off against a clan of zealous goblins deep in the Oilstone Mountains. Will they cross blades, or will the curious clan of cave dwellers call for a concordant conference? Stay tuned as we find out. We find the mortal dawn sitting around a subterranean bonfire. Very small benches rest underneath you, as you are in the center of a goblin encampment, surrounded by wooden walls of latched-together logs. This tribe, the dogs of the mountain, when they laid eyes upon your companion Morty, they fell to their knees in reverence, worshipping him as some sort of spiritual figure. And learning that you were his companions, they offered to take you back to their camp and help you with whatever it was you were doing here in their caves. You were introduced to Chief Zertwig, who said he needed to commune with the sacred animal. And in the meantime, you are being entertained by the rest of the encampment, being brought food and beverages, and listening to a very strange percussion goblin music. They seem very jovial and welcoming, despite the fact that you are all twice their size, or three times their size, and very much don't belong. The only animals you see in the encampment are very small donkeys, little burrows that are roughly goblin-sized, that they seem to incorporate in their food, their beverages, 
and just as companions. What is this? Fermented donkey's milk? This is fantastic. And uh, you learn very quickly that these these goblins eat ass. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, oh, no. Uh, Yeah, they drink of the donkey milk, and they do, in fact, ferment it into an alcohol. They also (laughs) offer you these, like, mango-sized cave grubs that are just glistening and full of juicy bug pus. These are so much larger than we have in the Underdark. They're huge. I, I think I'm a vegetarian now. I, I got the eat ass joke really late, by the way. Like, it, 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 it took me a minute. I was like, they eat really gross or they? Oh, oh I, you guys yeah. were, you guys had all finished laughing before Michael Shame. got the joke. If you wrap these grubs in uh, any kind of a uh, like fragrant leaf, you can roast them in the fire and they become very delicious. It is not too dissimilar from what is it? Uh, haggis, right? With, uh, with the dornish? Uh, Yeah. Right, they're slimy, but satisfying. Yep, definitely vegetarian. Mm-hmm. And uh, even though they're they're kind of throwing what looks like a party, there's a very strong sense of some sort of celebration happening. But this language barrier, as none of you speak goblin, or in this area, what would be known as Rintari, it sounds like some sort of prayer and chanting combined with singing and dancing. I'm surprised you do not speak Rintari, Arvid. I haven't had too many personal encounters with these... Um, Non-Firbolg human races? Um, plenty of non-Firbolg human races. We had some kobolds that lived near. You don't have a lot of goblinoid friends, then? Uh, none. That's tragic. I guess I'll make some. <laughs> and that you do, as uh, they particularly seem interested in Arvid and just his general bulk. Something about the shaggy demeanor seems fascinating to them, perhaps dog-like and something mm. of reverence comforting you also notice that like the animal carvings you found in the walls the only ones you saw most of them were dogs they were very poorly etched dogs but there was also some large bulls and they look at your horns and they kind of have like this looking at each other in excitement like, <laughs> anybody know what 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 are they saying anybody yeah i don't think anyone speaks <laughs> goblin in this group which is fun that's great <laughs> Um, everybody just shrugs i don't like if i remember correctly there's in fifth edition there's not a lot of like uh get new language stuff is there no there there can be there's feats and i i you know allow personal training if you spend downtime to do things yeah there's the linguist feat lets you take three languages gotcha okay good enough yeah um so everyone if they wish can consume of this alcoholic donkey milk meat and grubs you Jordan know our Jim just chows down, yeah. You know our yeah, into think, that shit. I think uh, Chris is the only uh, odd one out in this case. Yeah, Chris will not, but what Chris will do mm-hmm. is he will uh, actually enact an unearthly chorus, ah. kind of understanding them and and participating in that. Cool. So Why you not? you tap into this really primitive and as far as you know music composition goes, not very intelligent percussion, and you find a kind of synergy with it. You harmonize. And weave this camp into your kind of special Christ vibration song magic. And they, they're into it. Look, I ate all the weird food in Alcara. I think you need to try this. No, just, just try it. No, He's going to no, be okay. No, no. I, I open up one of the grubs and I oh. find a chunk, like a particular part oh. of it. This is an organ. Uh, they call it a grub heart, but this is not at all what it is. No. It's, it's like a, I don't know, kind of like liver. Yeah, yeah, quickly. <laughs> quickly, before it gets cold. Oh, God, Chris. No. It will start to congeal if you don't need it. Chris runs away. <laughs> and as he runs, Chris's robe turns just like chartreuse. <laughs> <laughs> what coward. I ate his fire peppers. And as soon as Chris starts to run away, he gets caught by a, a group of goblins and spun in a circle into this very awkward dance, like little kids at a wedding. <laughs> 
I shove the organ in my own mouth. Yum. Delicious. <laughs> uh, and the percussions start to get louder, and it looks like all of the goblins silence for just a moment as the chanting takes over once again, no longer this raucous celebration. All eyes turn towards the largest hut in the enclave, and you see Chief Zertwig stepping out, and he steps onto this little metal gear, roughly the size of a large dinner platter, and two of the other goblins lift it up so he's just like a foot off the ground. He has a big dark nose ring that's so large it actually wraps under his chin, and he has brightly red painted long fingernails and toenails. And as he gets lifted up and rise forward, all of the goblins begin chanting, Tagodia, 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 Tagodia. And Morty comes out of the tent behind him, escorted by several goblin soldiers. And Morty's body is now covered in this kind of tribal war paint from head to toe. And there are bones and almost like this carapace armor that's been attached to his shoulders and neck around the top of his head and down his back. And something about him just seems far more refined and imposing than usual. While everybody's distracted by Morty, I'm actually going to grab one of those grubs, wrap it up in a, in a damp cloth, mm. put some food down the, the little front hole, and then I'm going to pocket it for Jean-Pierre. You're going to stuff it? I'm just going <laughs> to stuff that bad boy. Nice. Is it still alive or is it you taking a dead oh, one? I'm taking a live one. Okay. I'm definitely taking So one. when you say stuff something down the front hole, you mean its mouth? Yeah. Well, no, <laughs> like, I mean, I'm going to wrap it up like a burrito and then through the little front hole, I'm going to give it like oh, some a biscuit or something. Okay. The, front, the front butt. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to tell with grubs sometimes. Yes, mm. but they are they are served alive and you there's platters of them. You just snatch mm. one away. No one notices or cares. Um, <laughs> and Morty has this sort of stoic, statuesque pose as he's looking over these goblins that have been worshiping him as a living god. And then for just a moment, you see him kind of relax into his normal big tongue out, tail wagging. <laughs> and uh, Zertwig begins to speak and says, Outsiders, we welcome you to the enclave of the mountain dogs. We hope you enjoy our food and the music. Blessings to you for returning to us, the dog of the Chris just looks around. Did, did he just say return? Say nothing? We're going to let this one slide until later. Are you sure? As long as they don't plan on sacrificing him, I think we can let this one slide until we're leaving, yes? That seems fine with me. Okay. For hundreds of years, our people have worshipped the giant dogs of the mountain, protectors of our clan and servants of nature. We have not seen them in many years, as though they vanished, extinct, hunted by the humans and the elves. But here before us, we see the lineage continues with this mighty beast. I raise my hand. Speak outsider. You don't like, um, kill them or eat them or anything, do you? No, they are gods to us. We would happily feed ourselves to them if they wished. Aww. And there's and there's no no kind of ascension rituals or nothing like that, you know. No pits of acid and sacrificial knives. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice throwback. <laughs> <laughs> we have adorned the Dagotia with the sacred muds now embedded into its noble fur and donned with the bones of its ancestors. New powers have awakened within the beast. How strange that you travel with this companion. Is it your leader? Duh. We rescued him from a terrible situation. People who were trying to sell him into some kind of slavery. But we saved him. They cringe and it seems that uh, Zertwig is probably the only one who understands your common Signian tongue. But... We rescued him from a bunch of humans. Yeah, and he kind of pets its side in a, in a reverence. Now, since it is your companion and leader, and you must leave to the deeper parts of the cave, we will let the beast decide its path. Archim taps his head in like a knowing gesture to the others. 
and <laughs> immediately a circle of goblins forms in the center of the encampment. And on one side of this circle is the mortal Don. On the other side is Chief Zertwig and his enclave. And in the center is the Dago Dia Morti, covered in his new war paint and bone armor. Zertwig lifts his hands into the air as the drums begin to ascend and he says, Let the chosen begin. Come to me, Dagodia, sacred Mort- holder of the tribe's noble honor. We have bacon. Morty. Morty, we have bacon. Morty, come. All right. Uh, go ahead and roll me an animal handling check. I hope it works out. And I'm oh, going to roll ins- an oh. animal handling check. Oh, you can totally inspire. inspiring. Yeah. So if you want, you can add a d6 to this roll with Chris's bardic power. I'd like to... Uh... Shit, what's the word? Guidance. Yeah, I'm going to cast guidance. <laughs> mm. All kinds of dice. Dissity dice. So D6 and a D4 on top of your D20. Does she get advantage for having bacon? <laughs> yes. Uh, the, the goblins also have food. So. Oh, okay. <laughs> and it's that comfort food from babyhood. Ooh. Mm. That's 26. 26. I also rolled very well. Uh, so all eyes are watching the dog Odia's choice as he looks back and forth wagging his tail and you have no idea what happened with him in that tent. What kind of bonding took place? <clears throat> and uh, stop! <laughs> it's not dirty at all. <laughs> I only did it because he did it. You really fucked the dog on this one. Oh, <laughs> damn again, it. again. And then everything grows silent, and the entire camp can only hear the sound of Morty's panting and confusion. And slowly he turns and walks towards Chief Zertwig, pawing very cautiously. Sniffs outward, gives him a huge <laughs> lick across the face, and then you turns and charges into Arvid, knocking him over. Aww. Oh, good boy. <laughs> and you've been hit by Morty several times. Like, you guys play roughhouse very regularly. Um, when he impacts you, he almost leaves, like, a slight after image and slams you to the ground much more easily than he normally could. Dog enhancements. <laughs> the dog of the mountain has chosen. And everyone begins chanting and cheering. They say Dagodia, and it sounds like they're saying something else in a language that's similar to common. That sounds like Mortaladone, Mortaladone, Mortaladone. We have the favor of the gods now. <laughs> we have to start calling him Immorty. I'm going to get down on my knee there and mm-hmm. put my hand on the side of his head. I hope you understand me. If for any reason you are injured or get too old to keep adventuring with us, you will have a home here. <laughs> Big slurp of the mustache. Gets to the last of the grub that was on, like, the corner of your mouth. Gross. <laughs> you can immediately tell that Morty has been being fed a lot during the time he was in the tent. Um, and Zertwig steps down from his sacred cog of hovering <laughs> and <laughs> approaches the group with a, a new reverence towards the group itself. He says, so please tell Zertwig what you do here in the caves. How can we help you on your journey with Togodia? Well, have you heard of uh, a heart of apanacency? These words, do not know them, no. Um, it is common tongue, they probably would not oh. know. Lady Wainwright said it was a power source of some kind. Have you felt any hmm, magical energies somewhere deep in this cave? Like pulsing strong, maybe everything lights up. What is it that protects the mountain? Oh, very good. <laughs> Ah, there are many magics deep within the caves where we do not tread. Very dangerous old caves made of metal. 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 He says, pointing to the gear and the ring in his nose, like, old metals, dark as night, built into the walls, breathing with energy and steam. I wonder if this has any relevance to the uh, thing that we passed through before, way back when, the ley line. 
Met onderkeurt ook. Oh, je bent oh, in die andere dag. Yes. Da. I don't think so. I mean, maybe. Hmm. That'd be weird. What direction will we find this? I can send you with a guide if you wish to go to the Forbidden Metal Caves. There is one goblin amongst us who is a bit of an outsider. And uh, he's a real weirdo, huh? <laughs> he's actually a kobold. <laughs> Just a guy, like some human that doesn't wear any clothes. Like, here he goes. <laughs> Carl. Now, we have an outsider who stays on the outside of the camp. Uh, she has not been a member of any of our families for some time, but she seems to understand the metal walls. She goes and speaks to them and studies them. He delivers a message, whispering it to one of the goblins near him, and they run out and leave the encampment. In a very short time, they return with another goblin that, even by goblin standards, is quite runty, and is wearing what looks like outsider's clothes that have been ripped or cut to fit her tiny frame. She has a huge shock of, like, bright pink hair that's kind of greased up. You can actually see, like, dark mechanical grease lifting it into a weird shape, and a big heavy bag full of clinking and clattering metal bits. And uh, little tiny goggles kind of affixed on the tip of her nose that are much larger than you would normally be able to see on something this size, but modified. She says, hello, my name's Maisie. Hello. <laughs> How are you? You, you want to go in, into the deep caves, into the metal? Yes, but your chieftain said it breathes? Zertwig is not very big brain. Mm. Uh, Zertwig does not understand steam and energy. I explain as we go. I I go as often as I can. I almost die regularly. Oh, okay. Well, we have something in common then. <laughs> My man tongue choppy, but think I can keep up, yeah? Yeah. Excellent. She like pulls a lever on her goggles and another lens folds down in front of them, achieving absolutely nothing, but looking somewhat <laughs> impressive. <laughs> I've learned the ways of the metal. I speak to it. It talks to me. And what does it say? Usually, boom. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Thank you. Fantastic. I love her. And uh, Zertwig says, You may rest for the evening if you wish, and then Maisie will take you deep into the caves. Her nickname here in the camp is Boomer. <laughs> and she says, Zertwig, you think the caves should be forbidden, but they're special and magical. We can learn so much from the goblins of the past. And he says, okay, Boomer. <laughs> <laughs> Boo. Sorry. But also, applause. <laughs> That's low fruit for me, but I had to go for it. I, I'm okay. <laughs> uh, so the companions of the Dagodia are allowed to do whatever they need to here in the camp within the goblin's ability to help you. And whenever you wish, Maisie will escort you to the deepest parts of the cave. I don't think anybody needs to rest, no? Not I. For a moment, perhaps, but not a long time. We'll say that the time you spent sitting and eating and resting with the goblins and listening to the music, the commune with the Dagodia was at least 30 minutes. Oh, so yeah, that makes good. sense. Yeah. yeah. You were waiting patiently to see what happened to Morty. I also have a new stat block for Morty. He is, oh. he is upgraded. Oh, yay. Mm -hmm. I do want to speak to the chieftain before we leave uh, Arvid Shell. Sure. You let him know you want to talk to him, and he actually just walks up to you and sits right on your lap. <laughs> oh. They have, like, no sense of bubbles or personal space here. This seems very natural to him. Uh, Chieftain, I just wanted to make sure that you knew that there may be others following behind us, but they're not friendly. Um, if there's anything you can do to slow them down, we would be grateful for that. However, most of all, don't let them hurt you. 
Hide if you must. My suggestion? Distract them. Force them to party. Make them do things with you. Uh, stall them as much as possible. If you try to fight them, they will kill everybody in your village. Humans? Yes. Uh, not entirely, right? Isn't Not that... all humans, but big people. Big. Maybe. Not quite as big. Yeah. But, but still very But still very big. <sighs> Daxton's as big as Arvid, isn't he? Yeah. Daxton's a little bigger than Arvid. But yeah. yeah. Average-wise, they're mostly large fellows. We... We'll fight nobly if we must, but we will slow down these strangers. Herthax looks at Zertwig and goes, Don't fight nobly. You're goblins. Fight sneakily. It'll work out much better. <laughs> Do not fight at all if you can help it. As I said before, lead them the wrong way. Offer them assistance and drive them down the wrong pathways. Uh, maybe head them into places where they will be forced to fight other entities and then abandon them. They won't die, but at least you won't either. I will not do this for you, but for the Dakotia. Sure. Mm. That's a big... <laughs> <laughs> it should be clarified that if they find us, they will hurt the dog of the air. Uh, <laughs> it will not happen. Very good. You that's were... all I need to do. Nice. That's good. I like that. While we're going, be sure to keep an eye out for any small trinkets we can bring back of this ancient goblin metal. Mm. We go now? Duh. Sure. Excitement? Y- yes. Yes. <laughs> and, uh... Grabbing Artyom by the hand, uh, Maisie just begins pulling you down deeper into the cave, just like like trying to walk a chihuahua that's moving faster than you, you know, like staying at, like pulling you along, but not achieving anything. <laughs> Is Maisie high stepping like a chihuahua puppy too? Oh, just bouncing and yeah. vibrating Aww. like a puppy. Yeah, for sure. She begins to rant and rave as you get deeper into the caves. Long, long ago, many hundred years, there were goblins that lived deep deep in the earth and they they talk to the metals and they learn to make it grow and rise up and build and they found energies to turn it into life what into life and you're sure these are goblins oh yes i'm very sure it has to be goblins why is this goblins have lived in these caves forever and ever wait your generations are what 15 18 years the dogs of the mountain live longer than other goblins but 30 look yeah wait 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 I just want to be clear. You don't mean literal life, do you? It breathes. It has heat that comes out of it as it excites with a... Maybe, Sometimes... Maybe something like what we saw in the... Uh, what is it? The city full of metal with the stupid tuber things. Yes, but how would they know about these and machinations? Big twinkling stars show up in her eyes. City of metal? Yeah. <laughs> you look contemporary enough. You could probably go there and not get stabbed. What a paradise it must be. I guess. Depends on how many coins you have. I bet we have some friends that you would love to meet. Mm. The robot freedom fighter people. Yeah. We could tell them about this place. They'd no. be all about that. As soon as he says that, I look over at Reginald pointedly and then look back at him and shake my head. <laughs> I, I think he means Lady Wainwright. She knows a lot about artifice and many of these wondrous things. Yes, that's probably it. Yes, quite. Artifice. This word tastes good in my mouth. We move quickly now. You fill me with excitement. Just don't blow us up, please. She pulls you deeper and deeper into the cave, and you travel for what is at least three hours through winding subterranean switchbacks. It gets very dark. And there are times when you, despite how deep you are, the way the caverns snake and weave above you, for just a moment now and then you can see a tiny circle of the night sky. Like, just the, the the light aligns just right that you get little glimpses of nighttime. After all this time, the heat begins to rise slightly. 
you can tell a slight shift in temperature. It's, it's subtle at first, but as you get deeper, like you feel condensation like in your clothes, you're getting a little sweatier. And that's strange being so deep underground. Eventually you come to a place where the pillars of stone that you've been passing turn to metal. And they are very dark. And even walking near them, you can kind of feel this hollow energy kind of humming off of them. Eventually you get to a large wall that's made entirely of metal that looks like snaking pipes, tubes, and wires all bound together in what we would look at as a, a massive vault door. Wow. And she walks up to it like it's her god and places her hands on it and says, This door, I have studied it my whole life. Oh, what mysteries lie beyond it. Hmm. I mean, is it unlocked? And I try to like turn a handle. <laughs> Doesn't budge. Guess that was too much to hope for, duh. <laughs> let me let me try something, maybe. So Chris puts his hand against the door and just hums, sings a little bit, and is really trying to resonate with the metal and hoping that the echoes and the vibrations really get amplified so he gets a sense of what's going on. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, give me an arcana check. Ooh, okay. I want to use a bit of luck because okay. that was a seven. Sounds good. Okay, that's a 15 plus 5, maybe? Yes, it is. It's a 20. All right. Um, you don't make any headway as far as changing the mechanisms of this intricate door, but you learn many things in tuning with the reverberations. You sense a great deal of emptiness beyond it, and you sense a lot of heat and energy coming in different directions. Whatever's beyond this goes on for a ways. It's a large, hollow space, um, and you can feel a lot of heat. And as you kind of hum in different pitches, trying to see what the metal responds to, you're not sure if it's serendipity or something that you have triggered, but a couple of holes open up on the left and right, and this gout of steam just pours out from the door and fills this cavity with a ton of really intense, heavy heat. It's not painful, but it's distracting. And she says, ah, it breathes. I told you. Rubbing her face against the warm metal. Aruthax has just a moment of like flashback to the dragon, dragon turtle. turtle. And it just... <laughs> Trauma reaction. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the war flashback from that baby. Yeah. You guys turn and Haruth X is like on the ground. <laughs> I'm okay. Sorry. Are, are you sure? Yeah. Just a I'm gonna investigate the mechanics itself, see if I can understand yeah, yeah. like if it if the mechanism is something like a door with a latch or what have you. Please. Bad. It's it's a bad roll. Uh, as soon as you begin to like look at it, you realize that all of these different tubes and rods are in ways connected, and you think that parts of them undo, parts of them connect, and it turns into this like unfathomable puzzle of mechanics. So there is a series of very intelligent and calculated movements that would need to happen to get this door open. Yes, the oh. this is um this is definitely a door. <laughs> Arvid is some kind. Now is this door shatterable? <laughs> Oh, Herudak, you make her so sad. Herudax looks at Maisie and then looks at Chris and goes, "I don't think we should." M- Maisie, yeah, the uh, the chieftain. He had that that cog that you lifted him up on, mm-hmm. and the ring in his nose. She what? lifts up her bag and it jingles. Where did you get those things? There are many things hidden deep under the stone around the door. Things from long ago. I dig them up in my free time. Did you take them from the door? I would not take anything from this beautiful door. So you've never been on the other side of it? No, but I've been trying, and I think I'm getting closer. It's a puzzle, you see. Well, Maisie, you might be disappointed, so manage your expectations, please. It's a bit empty on the other side. Oh, but emptiness can lead to so much sometimes. Or it can lead to a hole. 
Are these emo music lyrics? <laughs> I was going to say that's a really millennial thing for Maisie to say. <laughs> I might I might be able to open it if I try really hard. How would you try? Uh, she like pulls her goggles and tightens them and they zoom in and she begins to just go to work on one corner. And she starts to pull little levers and you can see her stopping and counting on her fingers and thinking back and then going again and pulling a couple more. And starting to kind of just like slowly unbutton this tapestry of thousands of tiny mechanisms one at a time. And you can see she's kind of struggling, but she has practiced. She has tried this many, many days of her life. Is, is there anything I can do to help? Let me see. Let me do it to 24. And then, okay. And she turns another knob. And she stops and just looks. That one. And then she pulls over. You're welcome to attempt to aid in any way or use your magics. I will do. I'll cast guidance on her. Mm-hmm. Let's roll an artificer check. She's struggling. <laughs> oh. Oh, dear. Hmm. She says, if this doesn't work, then I have one other option that will definitely work, but it's kind of a last resort. She's going to blow us up, isn't she? Most likely. Oh, no. I mean, I'd hate to damage the door, but to see what's on the other side is... Blow us up? What makes you think she'll blow us up? This is a steam engine. Odds are the engine's far away. No, we'll be melted by the steam. <laughs> oh, that's comforting. Yes. All right, so she's going to try one more time to finish the mechanisms of this door before she encourages plan B. Ah, you got this. There you go. And I am inspiring her. Ah, cool. Her effects will cast guidance on her as well. Nice, the double up. Uh, that is a natural 20, a Ooh. 6, and a 4. Wow. wow. Jesus. So 30 on the dice. That's before, 30 on the dice. Before that whatever is... bonus or penalty the goblin applies to their intelligence check. In a flash, you can just see numbers and algorithms and mechanisms like floating through her mind, beautiful mind style. And she starts to hum in the same tune that's echoing from the metal from your music. And it seems like she can hear and and just be aware of the next steps of this puzzle. And like an artist conducting, she just immediately starts to snap, click, twist, rotate, bop it. And with a loud click, the door slowly lurches and you hear the heavy grinding of stone as it clicks and then lurches and clicks and lurches. And like a cuckoo clock starts to just gently open with a rhythmic timing. Heat begins to pour out as steam washes over you again, increasing the temperature greatly, but not harming you. And as it finishes opening before you, there are dark, echoing metal halls going on a great distance into the darkness. And she falls to her knees and sighs and says, Thank you. I finally did it. Yes, you did. Yeah, you did. Thank Morty. I'm sure there's some kind of divine energy at work here. (laughs) (laughs) And he sniffs the air and kind of crouches down a little bit in confusion. Did the door stop moving once it got open? Mm-hmm. It seemed like once it hit the walls, it just sort of clicked into place. Um, there's no like audible ticking or anything. Is there? It's not like it's it's on a timer where it's just going to tick back mm. closed again. You don't hear anything. Okay. Other than the echoes of the metal down this long corridor. Maisie. <sighs> you don't think this door is going to close again after a, a time limit, do you? I, I don't know. I never opened it before, but maybe. Oh, oh, joy. It doesn't matter. If we need to get out, we'll get out. If the markings on the walls are true, then there could be all kinds of strange mysteries down there. I will remain here and make sure the door does not close on you. And once it is safe and you have made sure that there is nothing to kill small goblins, then I will explore. Oh, I will explore. I will fill my bag to the brim. Excellent. 
Maisie, I warned the chieftain, but I just want to make it doubly clear. We are probably being followed by a second party, and um, they may have murderous intentions, so watch out. Oh, I will I will hide. If you need to, if you see them coming, mm-hmm. and you think you can close this door... And like her face just washes like, close the door. <laughs> I'd say you should do it. You just blew my mind. <laughs> right as she says that, a steam vents again. Like, <laughs> It's like working your whole life to look into the face of a god and then being asked to close your eyes. But I can try if they're mean. Ah, but here's the thing. If you can learn how to close it, then you will understand both mechanisms in their entirety. Hmm. I do wish to know more of the door. And I have no doubt you'll be a great artificer. We really can't dally anymore. We must go. Okay, okay. Uh, uh, take this to be safe. And she pulls out what looks kind of like a, a metal scroll case, but it is sealed with both ends wrapped up with like animal hide. And uh, she says, throw this at things that want to kill you. <laughs> throw it hard. We'll do it. What does it do? Boom. <laughs> <laughs> I think this is plan B. Ooh, okay. Uh, Hortex, walk ahead a little bit. But say 20 feet. I eye you suspiciously and do so. Will it go that? If I put it off here, will it hurt him? Um, just use it counts her numbers. No. Good. Thank you. (laughs) Good luck. Uh, Bring me something back. (laughs) I'll try. Goody. After a moment of Harothak stepping just slightly into the door to test the radius of this boomstick, the echoing energy seems to increase just slightly, and small circular cavities open in the wall, and little tiny white crystals just kind of float out and begin emitting light. They are not attached to anything. They're they're hovering on their own accord. Some kind of magic, perhaps. Gonna use uh, knowledge religion to see if they have any connection with sunlight? Sure. Not great. <laughs> You're guessing that the light that they're producing is magical but it is not that of the sun fair enough the real question is are there any crystals emitting darkness (laughs) there are no no darkness crystals never again again. (laughs) that ship of darkness long sailed all right so who's going to go first what's your order entering this this metal corridor well i like the format that we had before where it was arvid at the front me in the middle and then you two taking up the rear uh Depends. We're lit, so Arvid can be in front. Yes. Yeah, that was he it. can He can see. I was usually at front because... Because you could see. Eyes. Yeah, you and I are the only ones And you were at the back mission. so that you could see behind. Mm-hmm. Yes. But since it's lit, I think it would actually be best if Chris stays in the middle so that they can be protected by everybody at all avenues. Harithax, uh, would you mind if I held on to you as we walk down these corridors? I just think that if I close my eyes and try to really hear these hums, we might know something more. I offer my arm like we're attending a fancy ball. Nice. Oh, yes. <laughs> Adorable. Okay, so you enter the corridor. The end of this corridor is not in sight, so how far in would you like to venture? I'm going to take a quick step out into the caves, grab rocks, okay, and then every 20 feet or so, huck one. All right. Anyone else having any other actions while they're watching Artyom do this sort of uh, pressure plate test? Are there any branching pathways or anything? Is it just one long hallway? Super straight long hallway with identical crystals coming out of the wall. And you notice that as you go like maybe 60 feet or so, the ones behind you go back into the wall and new ones take their place near your proximity. Well, I sort of have an idea. I don't know how feasible it is, but if I use a thunderclap, that would be my like echolocation 
to kind of get a better sense of which way to go. Okay. Um, well, I'm going to have Artyom roll me an investigation check using your rocks to kind of, you know, ascertain things by hitting them. <laughs> I've had dog shit rolls. A two, a six, a one. It's fine. We cannot control these things. We may as well just keep going until there's something that changes, right? If there are no branches off the path. I, I mean, if I had rolled well, I'm sure I would have found something. Yeah. But let's just go, I guess. It's cool. Um, so with this formation, that means Artyom is in front or Ar- Arvid is in front with Artyom behind. So uh, Arvid in front mm-hmm. and then just behind them is going to be me and Morty. Uh, okay. Morty's going to kind of be hanging out slightly like a satellite, maybe just switching from side to side. Sure. Got it. And then these two kind of in the backish. That's what I like anyway. And Arvid will make sure that Morty stays on high alert to any smells, sights, sounds that are strange and ask that he give a, a signal if they're... Ooh. Yeah, good boy. <laughs> maybe, maybe instead of bark, he do the tippy-tappy. That's adorable. <laughs> Just come to heal. This is good. All right. You think he understands pretty well. He seems a little, little older and wiser now for some reason. Mm. I was going to say, Zach, don't worry too much about rolling bad for the traps. The nice thing about traps is you find them whether you roll well or not. <laughs> Confirmed. <laughs> uh, speaking of, I would like Arvid and Artyom and Morty for that regard to roll me a dexterity saving throw, please. Here he comes. Dookie. Hold on. 17 for Arvid. Seven. I was waiting for that single digit. Very interesting. Okay. Warning flare. (laughs) That's okay. It's not an attack roll. Yeah. So the completely repetitious, identical passages in this hallway that continue are almost confusing. Like it seems illogical to make a building that just kind of has one long hallway that doesn't change. And as you're throwing your rocks, you're trying to like find maybe like pressure plates or something that echoes in a strange way. And they ricochet and kind of bounce along the metal. And uh, as one of them starts to like skitter along... You can see it just disappears as the walls, the ceiling, and the floor all rotate 90 degrees and fold in on themselves very quickly. Morty and Arvid leap out of the way in time. Artyom, you do get caught up in this crushing bludgeoning. Nice. Yeah. Bonus. Take 19 bludgeoning damage. Oh. As uh, one of your legs and a good chunk of your forearm gets caught before you jump back and just crushed. Chris immediately runs over. is like, are you okay? Are you okay? You're okay. You're okay. And I just healing word. I'm just staring at him. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> like just staring at him as like pressure, like a uh, pressure contusions have like bleeding profusely. And I'm looking at him like, what are you talking about? That, that, that's right. Yes. You're, you're feeling better. It's like you've never been caught in cave in before. Mm. Yeah. That would have got a scream for me. He <laughs> <laughs> just looks totally stone faced. Haruthax walks up to Chris and kind of pulls him back a little bit from Artyom and goes, Chris. Yes. When the trap goes off, typically, you don't run towards it because sometimes they trigger more than once. Uh, Good point. (laughs) (laughs) So am I stuck in something? No, it clamped shut for just a moment and then unfolded back to its normal state. Gotcha. Uh, Two of your limbs got very badly damaged, but you're not pinned or snagged. Look, don't see something cool? And I show him my arm and I'm like, see here where it collapses down? It rips the skin rather than cuts it. (laughs) Mm-hmm. And it's a lot of that in Cavins. It's got a little bit of a, a dangle from the brokenness. <laughs> Wait, is my arm broken? It's yeah. We'll say the oh, forearm okay. is is pretty crushed. I don't I don't know what you're talking about. It's looking a lot better. So he's casting healing words by mm. saying these words. Cool. Yes. Go ahead and roll me that D four. 
Ooh, it's a D4. Which one is that one? That is this triangle one. I wrote a song just for you. Yay. Oh, no. That was just a one. <laughs> you get to add your charisma modifier. Oh, which is a plus four. So five total. Yes. You are healed five, and you can feel the bones like starting to reset somewhat. They're, they still hurt quite a bit, but you could use your leg and hand if you wanted to. Ooh, that's cool. I didn't know I could do that. Is it still broken? It's damaged, but it's usable. Do you want me to set it just in case? I think I'm all right. All right. As things quiet down again and uh, the healing gets done to the broken arm, from behind you, you hear a loud noise. And as you turn to look back towards the door you came from, now on the edge of your vision, you see more of these folding, crushing wall traps coming towards you at an incredible and terrifying rate. They may be the adventure equivalent of fleas on a dog, but I'll be damned if those little green goobers don't know how to throw a mean bonfire BBQ. Them squealy little squirts will party with anyone if there's enough food and drink to go around. And in a surprising turn of events, it seems the dogs of the Mountain Clan have made peace with our hero team, looking to their animal companion as a kind of sign from above. <laughs> no kidding. This has got to be the first time I've seen dangerous negotiations handled by a party's animal companion. They put more pain on that pooch than my own birth award at the last Brickness family reunion. Probably got a better charisma score, too. And as a gesture of good faith, they've sent one of their own clan as a guide to lead the team on the next leg of their expedition. But one has to wonder, what is Daxon's death machine doing on their end of the trial of seeking? Honestly, they've just been puttering around towns and wandering the wilderness like a flock of lost geese. Either they're dumber than they look or they're putting on a show. All the kids on my Little League of Ultimate Questing team can track down an artifact better than those meatheads. Oh, I didn't know you sponsored a team on the LLUQ Storm. Yep, the Stormclad Thundertakes. Those kids have more gumption and bloodlust than some champion ring teams I've seen at the field. Gives me hope for the future. That makes me kind of scared to be around them. Which, if you ask me, is a good quality to have in a quest team. Both the LUQ and the LLUQ are made possible by funding from some of our great sponsors. Let's take a look at those now before we join the Mortal Dawn as they delve deeper into the unknown. Thousands of volunteers unite for the magical cause of granting wishes for children in need. Donations from all over the world supply the components to cast the most important spell in the life of a child who deserves one last special dream. I wish I could meet the Ivory Lions. They're my favorite team. Wow. Down. We have to keep the portal from opening. Incoming. Incoming. I wish I could ride the back of a wyvern and look down at the whole world beneath me. I wish I had a real big hog, like a ding-dong size of two sweet potatoes. For the last time, get out of here. You're not sick and you're like 15. Come on, grab my wish, you cowards. Get out now. Y'all stink. Why don't you just use your dang wish magic to cure all the sick kids anyway? That's... Uh, um... Cast a Wish Foundation. Change a child's life forever. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. 
Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, all you cuties. Just a quick announcement for you here. Law and I and possibly other cast members will have a booth at the upcoming Burning Cat Convention, a bizarre geeky convention from the creators of The Oatmeal and Exploding Kittens. You'll find us there May 16th and 17th at the Oregon Convention Center. We'd love to see you there, especially our legendary Patreon subscribers who we cannot thank enough. That's Jeff Ammons, Dave Mladenoff, Isaac Davies, Jack Phillips, Christian Wiseman, Zan Cam, Jen Finch, Maisie, and Erie Luna Rose. Thank you all so much. We're still working on setting up a team system for the 25 and up subscribers, so stay tuned for that. If you want to get a personal message on the show or are interested in promoting a business or podcast of your own, please send an email to admin at slapdashstudios.com. But that's it for me, so thanks again, and let's get you back to the action. Hey, you cuties, Law here to talk to you about Terranary, the newest sci-fi RPG system from Portland, Oregon. Three inhabited worlds that share a solar system weave their plots and plans while evoking or preventing interplanetary war. Smugglers, merchants, soldiers, and space battles await you, the player. This game utilizes a unique D12 system and will be written, produced, and illustrated by local creatives for the rest of the world to enjoy. The Kickstarter goes live from February 12th until the 24th and is part of Kickstarter's Zine Quest 2. For more information or to help support this project of Galactic proportions, visit Terranary.com. That's T-E-R-R-A-N-A-R-Y.com. Good evening. I'm Winston Faye Bandefeth III. Welcome to Mackinac News 5, your top source for up-to-date coverage of the Five Kingdoms. The White Hand, one-third of the governing Danmirian majocracy, held a vote earlier this evening to promote Tanish Bird to the first chair of the White Council following the retirement of High Mage Michium. Being the first wizard of Alcaran heritage to occupy the position, Tanish was born and raised in the subtropical savannas of Dab Kasai, proving that a bird in the hand is worth two in the bush. Negotiations have been called regarding attacks on elven merchant vessels near the Southern Maiden. The negotiations will be held over the next 20 days to address the mounting naval tension between Ilisar and Leone, and are sure to highlight the best of the two races, human patience and understanding, and elven warmth and open-mindedness. This just in, an active protest is taking place near the Camarian borders, demanding the citizens of Andariel be granted full citizenship of the Outland Kingdoms, despite their undead status. Will demonstrations lead to a dramatic change in global definition of citizenship, or will this call to action prove to be a grave mistake? This has been Winston Faye Bandiforth III with Mackinac News 5. Five kingdoms, one story. So I need all of you to roll me an athletics check as you run away from these smashing walls of death as fast as you can. I'm just sitting there limp running. <laughs> well, since I'm aware, can I just thunderstep? If you burn the spell slot. I'm going to assume I've been holding on Harthax most of this way, so mm-hmm. I just take him with me. Yeah, absolutely. You're already grabbing Harthax. If you burn the spell slot, you can teleport with thunderstep down the hallway. I will gladly do that. I do not resist. <laughs> Good old 20. Nice. 17. Very good. So you are both very quick and athletic and you dash with Morty right behind you um, and outrun these crushing, heavy slamming slabs of metal. And you 
almost topple into the next room, which comes almost out of nowhere. It, the way the hallway is laid up, it's almost like a kaleidoscope, the way the walls reflect each other. It tricks you into thinking they're longer and bigger than they actually are. And this room is extremely warm, and behind you, the last trap snaps shut, and then you look back, and the hallway is exactly as you left it. The walls are solid and intact. I take my handful of bubbles and I throw them at the hallway. Fuck you! <laughs> and there's a clattering and a clanking as these rocks ricochet and bounce off of all of the flat metal surfaces. This room is roughly 30 feet by 30 feet. It's very warm, and it looks like there are metal pipes that are kind of connecting all parts of the ceiling to the floor, and they all sort of converge on the far wall near this large bronze-colored machine uh, that's pumping out heat. You can see fire burning in the bottom of it. In the center of the room, there's kind of a, a square platform that just rises up a few inches out of the floor. And around this bronze machine, there are shelves with different colors and types of metal bars, one or two of each. And the machine itself has five bar-sized slots going away from the fire. And I actually have a, a picture of this so you can kind of visualize it in your head. Oh. So there's this, this kind of pumping hot engine, and above it, there are a series of empty slots that look like the bars would fit into them. And we have five bars of different color and type. Yes, now, I'm not sure how many of you, I don't think any, have much studying in metallurgy or such things, but there's also some common sense involved. I mean, I mine. I was a miner, so mm -hmm. that yeah. might help. I mean, it, I dated a miner, too. <laughs> oh, what is that? Oh, God. That could be taken different ways. <laughs> let's, let's hope it's the way we're all thinking. <laughs> so, if anyone uh, wants to give me just a straight intelligence check, you might be able to ascertain some of the properties of the bars i'm good with my eight intelligence i'll sit back <laughs> um i will go ahead and do that is sure. anyone else doing we're it? a pretty low int party chris has some has some training you actually 14. you actually went to a pretty nice elkarin school mm -hmm. that is a 15 total that's actually very good Whew. um the easiest ones to identify that you find are there are a silver bar a gold bar and a copper bar the other two take a little more work and study but you you manage to suss out that one of them is lead and the other is iron. Okay, interesting. We have silver, we have copper, we have gold, and I think lead and iron, I'm not sure. Mm -hmm. Does this universe have a periodic table of elements? Uh, not like we do. Okay. So I just want to know if I should ignore the uh Oh, yeah, yeah, symbols. the <laughs> periodic symbols you can ignore. Absolutely. <laughs> I, though I like the idea of using that for a puzzle. That was my first thought. I was like, A-U-F-E, okay. <laughs> well... Maybe we should order them by weight? Or by value. What's the mechanism doing exactly? So it looks like the mechanism is heating the above slots. The one at the bottom is incredibly hot, and the one on the top is not quite as hot. And now all of them have hoses leading out of them that converge up the walls and down into this square dais on the floor. Look, if the bottom is the most hot, then presumably we want to melt them all at probably the same rate. That? Hmm. I know that iron has the highest uh, melting point. That's why we use iron armor, because it's the hardest thing we can get. Oh. Lead was used for lots of different things, and it doesn't melt very good. Other than that, I'm not sure. I think gold is the fastest, but between copper and silver, I don't know. Probably silver is less, is, is hotter. Yes, gold is quite soft. <laughs> Might if I take a shot? By all means. Um, for the hottest one, I'm mm -hmm. going to go iron. The next one, lead. The next one, silver. The next one, copper. The next one, gold. Could you give me that order one more time? Uh, iron, lead, silver, copper, gold. Gold melts for like no reason. 
Uh, as you put the bars in in that order, the iron one seems to fit in very well. I mean, they all fit nicely, but uh, as it goes in, it just starts to very slowly and gradually melt. The other ones, though, especially the uh, lead, it melts almost instantly. Like it melts while you're sliding it in there. And you can hear through the walls, some mechanisms are starting to whir and click. Something big and echoey is happening beyond the chambers of this room. Shit. I'm sorry about that. Oh, no. I did not realize lead melted so quickly. So rearrange those bad boys. And I'll have you roll me a perception check while you were doing that. 18. Uh, the things that you learned is the lead melted incredibly fast, and the gold did not melt nearly as fast as you thought based on where you put it. Herithax is going to inspect the room. Um, mm -hmm. As these things melt, are they like going to spray molten metal at us for failing the... Uh, you see that the, the tubes that they would come out of, mm -hmm. uh, the ones that are still melting or the ones that melted too fast just kind of got sucked out and into another area. And the strangest thing is the racks that are built into the wall, the bars are then replaced. Like the new ones just kind of slide oh. out. But it seems like this error has started some sort of machination that is clicking and whirring, echoing. Okay. Good news, bad news. Mm -hmm. I don't think that worked. <laughs> and something is triggered. But it looks like it's repurposing the metal to make new bars, rather than spraying all of us with molten lead. That's good. Could right? be worse. Yeah. We always call him Sunny Haru. Do you? <laughs> I look down at myself. Why? <laughs> <laughs> I can handle molten lead if I need to. Um, My assumption would be to go lead. Gold, copper, silver. I don't know. I'm not a metallurgist. I just like to wear them. <laughs> if, if any of you have any kind of tests or things you want to try to mess around with the metal before oh. you put them in, you can. Yes. I'm going to take some gold mm -hmm. and I'm going to cast Sacred Flame and mm -hmm. just kind of told the bad boy. Sure. The, the bar is very large, but you could easily take a, a coin out. Um, you'd probably need to use a coin for this one to test it out. The bars are very large, um, and it seems like uh, it needs to fit perfectly in there. Not inserting the full amount into this machine might mess with it. Oh, yeah. Fair enough. But using your uh, testing of the coins you have on you, the gold and silver, you learn that the silver melts a bit faster than the gold. Mm, faster than the gold? Jesus. Mm -hmm. Okay. Whatever. My understanding of metallurgy is way worse than I thought it was. I was a little surprised, too. Silver's a little bitch. <laughs> Regardless, using some very simple testing, you can, in fact, figure out the order that these are going to go in. So as you put them from top to bottom, uh, you put the lead in the top and then silver, gold, copper and iron. And you can see based on the distance from the flame, they all melt at the exact same rate. And as the different colored metals now melted down into a liquid shoot through the tubes, they all smoothly slide along the wall up to the ceiling and then down. And as the molten liquids converge on this central dais, it almost cracks down the middle and there's a loud clicking as steam fills the room. And as it opens, you can hear the sounds of tons of different machines clashing together, gears rotating, pipes shooting out, hot air. And the walls begin to click and open as well surrounding the room that you're standing in. You think this is the follow through of the earlier failure in trying to insert the bars now taking fruition. And as one of the farthest walls opens, you see a quadrupedal heavy beast steps out. It looks like a bronze bowl covered in plates of metal, huge glistening horns. And as it snorts, green smoke just plumes out of its nostrils. You can smell an acidic sting in the air. Your options are stand and face the bowl or dive into the unknown corridor below. Oh. 
the mortal dawn find themselves wandering in a trap-filled, steam-powered dungeon with dangers lurking around every corner. I've seen a fair share of puzzles in my day, but rarely one that requires a degree in metallurgy to solve. You melt the metal down wrong and it might just kill you. I guess, uh, when it comes to that damage, whoever smelt it dealt it. Am I right? <laughs> and with that, we'd better start wrapping up our broadcast on this exciting cliffhanger, since Storm here has a date to get to on the other side of the continent. Ah, oh, this is gonna be a night to remember. It's not often I meet a lady who can out-eat me, out-drink me, and out-beat me in an arm-wrestling match, even if I use both arms. Well, Storm, I'm sure she'll have a great time, too. You're quite the catch. And in case you're concerned, don't worry, I brought protection. You... you did? Of course. Potion of fire protection. You don't go on a date with a fire giant and not bring a POFP. What if we want to hold hands? Get your head in the game, kid. Ah, wise words, Storm, my friend. And as things potentially heat up for my co-host, they're guaranteed to get red-hot for the mortal dawn as they find themselves stuck between a grinding clockwork shaft and an angry mechanical quadruped. <laughs> Grinding clockwork shaft. <laughs> will our hero rank team take a dive, or will they seize this foe by the horns? Find out next time on the League of Ultimate Questing. Fuck. Oh, oh shit. Yeah. Choose um, your adventure. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Gorgon or Hole? Mm. <laughs> That's what my um, <laughs> porn series is. <laughs> Why? <laughs> oh, my brain's trying to come up with a, a portmanteau of porn and Gorgon. P porgon? Gorg Hub. <laughs> Gorg Hub. <laughs> Well, that's gross and awful, and I hate it. Uh, I know. Uh, <laughs> Where did we leave off last for the character or for the go arounds? Was it, you did the last one, right? I think so. so I think that moves on to Lante. Okay, it's your turn, buddy. Alrighty. Hi, that was a cool episode. Uh, I would like to go around the table, and I would like to start with Sam playing Arvid. I play Arvid, who is a druid barbarian, levels five and two, respectively. That's all my contribution. <laughs> you contribute a lot, Sam. You smash the hell out of things. My name is... <laughs> sorry, I'm sorry. My name is Michael Loving. I play Haruthax, the level 7 Dragonborn Warlock. I'm Alante, and I play Chris Sagrand, the Crystalline Sorcerer and Bard. I'm Zach Barkas. I play Artyom Volkov, the Cleric of Sunlight and Suffering, level 7. I am also the Technical Director, Editor for Slapdash Studios. I also want to thank Tori Christensen for her fantastic support in being an editor for us. Notorious! Thanks. And my name is Law. I'm the Dungeon Master for the League of Ultimate Questing and the Creative Director of Slapdash Studios. As you may and hopefully always know, episodes are posted every Monday on wherever podcasts are available. There's bonus content on Fridays. Check out our Twitter, our Instagram, and other social media platforms. Find us at Slap the Dash or Slap Dash Studios. And theluq.com. Of course, you should know this. <laughs> we want to learn and grow and be more amazing every time. And the best way to do that is to go out and share it with people you know. Uh, I personally go out and share it with people on campus. 
And that's always great. The beginning of this chapter is actually a great lead in for this show. If you're with people who don't want to listen to 53 brand new episodes, just go ahead and point them in the direction of the Invitational. Yep. Episode 53. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Also check out our Patreon. Uh, With that also comes our Discord where you can get our cool bloopers and interact with us. We love you guys. Patrons specifically get access to the Heroes Lounge, which is where we post uh, outtakes, bloopers, cutting room floor, and just weird stuff that didn't make the cut. Yeah. So, uh, anyone at the table have any messages they want to get out there? Maybe some cool projects? Uh, I will be on a couple of upcoming episodes of the D&D podcast, God's Fall. That's awesome. I didn't know that. Ooh. Yeah. So freaking um, cool. I'm recording tomorrow morning Ooh. that, which Aram will have out in a couple of weeks. I'm going to be playing our Univar, which, bit of a spoiler, I am the god of blood. Ooh. Ooh. Sign me up for I, that. <laughs> My character's going to be broken AF by oh, the time he hits level eight. A broken god? What? Yeah. <laughs> no. Stats? <laughs> That's dope. You I'll can, be sure to supply blood for the blood god. <laughs> you can you can find um, God's Fall on Twitter at G0DSFALL or on twitch.tv slash God's Fall. Um, he also has a YouTube channel where I did the um, We Never Left audition as Miss Piggy. We may or may not continue that. Uh, but yeah, you can find all of that stuff online, uh, or at my social media at OG underscore captain underscore Mel. Sick. Do we have any upcoming appearances? Uh, this coming Monday is orcs. The theme is Feberon. It's going to be a game night lounge. Keith Baker, the creator of Eberron is going to be one of our guests. And the next orcs after that is on March 2nd, the first Monday of that month. No mm-hmm. theme yet. I uh, actually think it's the madness of March. So it's going to be kind of like <laughs> baseball or ba- what is that? Basketball? basketball. That's what I meant. I knew that. I'm not that dumb. I just said the wrong sport. <laughs> yeah, you're an idiot if you don't Sports know about ball. basketball. <laughs> Law. Sports ball. So yeah, that's going to be a real fun one. It's going to be Lovecraftian as well. Oh, that sounds fantastic. Lovecraftian basketball. <laughs> yep. That's the madness I theme. Just, mm-hmm. I want to just like sit in on that and just be like, what? <laughs> wait, wait. Isn't Lovecraftian basketball just Space Jam? <laughs> You're we should blowing my fucking I think mind right now. <laughs> wrinkled my brain there. We should have Dave run his Bay uh, Jam. Yeah, we game. talked about that on our yeah. D twenty questions with him. That still isn't out. No, <laughs> we still need to do a special episode of hosting Fay Jam on this podcast. Yeah, we absolutely do because it's the mo- like one of the most fun things I've done in D anD. d Anyway, go on. <laughs> oh, I mean that. That's it. I just want to take a moment to thank you guys, the listeners. Like you guys are awesome, amazing, and supportive, and I love you. We love you. And until next time, we wish you luck.